Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Shannon Bumgarner. She's an expert in supply chain and lean manufacturing. She's also the new host of the Empowering Women podcast and an advocate for women in STEM. I'm interested to learn more about what supply chain and lean manufacturing entails, how she came to be the host of the podcast, and the ways in which she works to get more women into STEM. Welcome to Teach the Geek interview, Shannon. Oh, so happy to be here. Anil, thanks you so much for having me. And I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing with STEM because a lot of us engineers, we don't know how to speak sometimes. Uh, so it's so super helpful that what you're doing, I think it's really going to make a difference. Thank you. I, I hope so. So from the bit of, of research I did on you, I saw that you have a degree in something I've never heard of before, wood science. I heard, I saw chemical engineering. I know chemical engineering, but wood science, I've never heard of it before in my life. What exactly is wood science? Yeah, so I, I, when I decided to go to North Carolina State University, I originally was going into and obviously went into chemical engineering. Um, and then it was presented to me that there was an option to double major in really wood science or pulp and paper science and technology. So the simple way to say what that is, is it's engineering in a paper mill. So think about all the different steps that go into making paper from the moment that it arrives um, at the back door as a big log to when it goes out on the other end as a piece of um, high-end paper or a piece of really cardboard or anything that you see in your food grade. So it's, it's that engineering within that particular genre. It's really an interesting um, area and one I spent the first couple of years of my career in. Oh, wow. Okay, so when, when you graduated, you did work in that field. I did. I did. I, uh, I worked for a large manufacturer in a paper mill. And it's really an interesting story because you in college, you were in a very controlled environment. Um, then you were, you're on that first job and the paper mills are absolutely big monsters. And they're like, here, go find, um, go find the pulping area. And I literally was lost, like both mentally as well as physically trying to figure out where it was going. So it's really Talk about thinking on your feet really early on in your career, trying to figure out what you're doing and then where you're going. Wow. I also saw that you got an MBA. What was the motivation for that? Uh, I think I figured out you know, pretty early on that I really wanted to go into leadership. And I learned a lot in engineering school, but I did not learn to speak the language of business. And probably many of your guests have told you that. So I really wanted to be able to translate my technical skills and be able to go in and tell the story and language of business. Uh, I did it pretty all early on in my career because I, I knew myself and I knew that if I waited too long, I wouldn't go do it. So it was, let's just go do it. I want to be in leadership and let's find a way to make that work. Right. Nice. So then, I, you know, I mentioned in the in the intro that you work in supply chain and lean manufacturing. For those of the, for those who don't know, myself included, what, is, what exactly is supply <laughs> chain and what is lean manufacturing? Um, so... Integrated supply chain seems to be, I'm going to call the latest buzzword over the last couple of years. So for me, it means everything it takes from the time that you 
purchase um, the things that need to make the material all the way to the time that you ship it to the customer. So typically it involves um, the, the, the area that I work in today, which is procurement. So getting those goods and services to the respective manufacturing site. Um, then it also includes how do I make the product, right? So how do I get all that stuff together and make it and get it to the back door? And then once you get it to the back door, it includes logistics. So how do I get it from the back door out to the customer? So it's really all those things. Um, and as you can imagine, each one of those towers is pretty complicated um, and requires a lot of expertise. I started my career in manufacturing and spent most of my career in manufacturing until about eight years ago um, when I went to my current company. And that's when I went into the supplier development side of procurement. And then I actually career shifted a couple of years ago into category management within procurement and went a totally different direction with my career. So that's really what supply chain is. And what lean manufacturing is, it's really about streamlining that value stream. So think about that whole value stream that I just told you from the time that you purchase the material to the time that you ship it. How do you get rid of the waste um, in that supply chain um, and make it more effective? So how do they, you often hear call the cash. So when the, customer calls, how quickly do we get that thing to the customer and how quickly do they pay us? So you'll hear a lot of people talk about call to cash. Okay. So you mentioned you started in, in manufacturing then eight years ago, you got into supply chain then you made another shift, I guess, more recently. All these different changes, were these things that you had planned on doing or, or were they kind of, they just came up and you just took those opportunities? I, I will tell you the last one was not planned at all. So if you'd have told me, you know, some time ago when I started my career that I would be in procurement, I would have said no way. And I often joke that um, I went to the dark side in procurement. <laughs> um, so I actually was part of a women's leadership program at my current company. Um, and in that program, I really learned that I needed to broaden myself to think bigger and to diversify myself. And, and I had an opportunity to go in to category management, which for your listeners who may not be familiar with that, it's owning a specific set of categories that we purchase. Um, for me, that was on the indirect procurement side, which are things that don't directly go into the product. Um, so I had the opportunity to go from a very manufacturing quality engineering focused roles into what I would consider more of a commercial role. So category management is the commercial role that's supplier facing. Many of your listeners might more recognize a customer facing role like product management, but category management is just the flip side. Um, on the supplier end. And it was so different for me. Anything for, that I'd ever done, I'd never run quoting events. I'd never had negotiations with suppliers. And so I just took that opportunity because honestly, you know, one of the things I was terrible at was negotiation. And so what better way to get better at it than to just immerse yourself in it and let it be part of your job. So that career change was not intentional in any way, shape or form. Um, many of the other ones along the way were a lot more deliberate. Okay. With regards to that women's leadership program that you were a part of, what did you learn in that program that you didn't know before? Um, this is a story I often tell when I do professional speaking. Uh, I thought, you know, I had my career figured out. I've been in the industry 15 plus years and I thought I was on a good trajectory. And I walked in this room and I like to tell the stories. There's about 30 women in this room. They're from all over the organization because I work for a global company. I walk into the room and there's this huge yellow post-it note on the front of the, the front of the room. And it says, how do you show up today? 
And I'll tell you, and what I tell my, my audience is it was really like a sucker punch in the gut. Cause I never really thought Neil about how do you show up? Like how that really impacts you every day. And I think it really impacts what you're trying to do. It's not only how do you show up in those formal conversations, like you're presenting in front of an audience, but how do you show up at the water cooler? How do you show up in a forum like you and I are having right now, just one-on-one? How do you show up in a, in a smaller meeting? I mean, how do you, what do people say about you when you leave the room? What is your personal brand when you leave the room? Um, so that for me, no, was a complete wake up call because I have to admit, I didn't think about that every day. Sometimes and I laugh, I would come in and I would be just ultra grumpy. Right. And I didn't realize that impact that it had on other people. And it really made me more conscious of how I show up in every venue that I go to on a daily basis. What is it about leadership that appealed to you? Um, one of the things that appeals to me is I love the ability to lead people and to watch them grow and develop, which is why I've probably ended up in like the podcast that you talked about. I, my greatest joy at work is seeing someone else succeed professionally and know that I've had just a little bit to do with that. So that's in a direct leadership role, as well as some of the indirect roles that I do. Um, and the other thing is I like to lead change. So I, I am a change agent and I love to lead change. Um, you can obviously lead change from anywhere, uh, but I like to lead it um, from the front. So I like to be part of that change, part of turning the organization upside down, thinking bolder and thinking bigger. Nice. So based on where you're at now, where do you want to see yourself go? Oh, wow. So I have a couple ways that I want to go. So one of the things that I'm focused on is I want to launch my own company um, called Femspired, really focused on women in STEM, as you alluded to on the outside of our conversation. Um, and what I want to do is come up with a marketplace where companies can come and help to develop early to mid-career women that are in technical fields. So a lot of what you see is out there is um, focused on girls in STEM, which it really should be, because if you look at women in engineering, only about 20% of undergrads of, of engineers are women. So we really do have an issue. And then when you look at women of color, unfortunately, the number is even worse at like four or 5%. So we really just have a lot of work to do. And there's a lot of work going on there, but there's not so much work in once they start in their day job. And I think about myself starting in that paper models lost. So how do you design programs to help those women thrive in that first three to 10 years of their career? How do you help them develop? So that's really one place where I want to take my career is that entrepreneurial endeavor. And that, again, back to your earlier question, I never thought I would have done that either um, because I, most engineers don't go down that path. Um, but, but secondly, I'm looking to continue to grow in supply chain in my day job. So really I look for areas where we're trying to grow as a company and change. So I look for system type roles. So we're, we're building a system or we're changing a process um, within there. And I try to either lead that project team or lead a team um, to do that. So for example, I'm doing that right now. We've just deployed tactical buy capability in our organization, which is for spend that's not strategically managed, how we go out and get the best value for the company, um, leading that effort on deploying that in the organization. So I want to continue to develop in those kind of roles and honestly looking to move up the leadership chain into a director or vice president role as I move forward. Nice. I got other 
female engineers on the on the YouTube channel before, and I've I've talked to them about the leaky pipeline. It's women going into these engineering fields and then leaving more so than men. Why do you think they leave? I, I think there's a couple reasons. One is I I don't think there are programs tailored to help them thrive in that very beginning, because I can tell you coming from chemical engineering, that's that engineering discipline has more women. But when I got into out into the workplace, I didn't realize what of a, I jokingly call it a unicorn that I really was. And I didn't know how to handle it um, in my early twenties. So having that program and that support system in place to do that. So I think that's one. Um, I, I think it's two building the right cultures um, for these women to survive. So like an easy example is thinking about how we deal with workplace balance in terms of paternity leave. Um, who, you know, when, when women choose to leave to have children and come back, what does that look like? Are there re-entrenched programs? Uh, th those type of things. So I, I definitely think that can help. And then three, I think is finding the right support networks for those women to support each other. Uh, through that change process. And, and I try to focus there as well, building that support network for those women as they progress. So that's three of the big areas that I see uh, why women why women drop out. And then the final thing that I think we're all working on is microaggression, right? And I think that's obviously not just gender specific, that gets into race and um, sexual orientation and all those things, learning to manage that in the workplace. Yeah, well, I, I get you. So when it comes to public speaking, is that something you've always been good at? And if not, what'd you do to get better at it? Um, I started public speaking at an early age and it's an embarrassing story that um, I like to tell just for fun is I did beauty pageants when I was younger. Um, and when I'm talking younger, I'm talking like three, four or five years old. Um, so that automatically put you on stage um, some of that was a little bit of speaking, but it was also some one-on-one -on -one interviewing. They would ask you silly questions like, what's your favorite toothpaste, right? So I think I learned from an early age to do public speaking and, and did that throughout my career. But I will tell you what I, I think I tripped up and didn't do a very good job as I grew in my career is I thought as an engineer that the data spoke for itself. And I'm sure you're probably going to smile here because what all engineers do, we we think, oh, if I pop the graph up, then everybody's going to be like, hooray, yep, why are we not doing that? And where I really tried to grow, Neil, is telling my story, learning how to, to leverage storytelling in my speeches to really think about how do I tell the story? Because I can't remember all the data, but there's, there's brain research that talks about how we remember stories much more than we remember facts. So I think I grew up more on a public stage but where I really failed and where I'm trying to grow more is learning how to tell my story um, succinctly and in a way that people will remember it. Yeah. One question I forgot to ask about is, is the podcast. So I've been, I've actually listened to a few episodes of mm -hmm. the Empowering Women podcast with the, with the old host. I know that you're the new host. What yep. motivated you to become a host of the podcast and what do you hope people get out of it now that you're the host? So it actually was, it's a really good story. And I think for your audience, it's a really good story um, in networking. So I went to, as, as my, with my employer, I had the opportunity to present for the first time at the Hydraulic Institute. It's a, a technical organization for the pump industry. And the funny story that I like to tell is I'm constantly pushing people out of their comfort zone. And I got this opportunity that was sent to several of us that said, hey, 
you need a speaker for the company for this. And I, I literally know I opened the email up probably at least five times and shut it down before I actually wrote back and said I would be interested. I went to that particular conference. I spoke at two different venues in that conference and I found my love. Um, I, I was just on fire. They, t- they talk about athletes being in the zone. I was in the zone. Um, and then I just really decided that I love that. Well, at that conference, I met a, a lady with empowering women in industry and they were getting ready to have their first conference in Chicago. And I put in my um, speaker application to speak at the conference and was humbled and and was accepted to speak. So I spoke at their conference several times and then the opportunity came, as you mentioned, their hosts decided that they wanted to move on and do something different. And I had, they actually came to me and asked me if I would be willing to host the podcast. So I say that in, this is all about networking because I don't think, you know, that would have dropped in my lap otherwise. Um, and why did I decide to do it is it allowed me to really focus on women in manufacturing and STEM. It allowed my platform to grow even for, farther and to be able to broadcast a message and hopefully impact a lot of women to think about things differently and to get those resources and grow their career even farther. And what I hope people get out of this is one that little bit of inspiration in their month to just move them forward, just one step forward than they were before that enthusiasm and that energy. And the second piece is I really hope they take away a tip or a tool that they can write down and go use daily in their career as they're developing it. Um, it, It's been amazing and it's been fantastic and I, and I love it. It's a lot of work as you know, but I really enjoy it. And I hope my listeners really use this in their day-to-day life. Nice. So you'd mentioned before that Femspired is something that you eventually want to, to get off the ground. And then also you're the host of this podcast. Are there other avenues that you are using to get more women to at least consider careers in STEM? Um, one of the things that I, I'm also working on on the side is getting a certification in personal branding. So for me, that's going to help women solidify who they want to be. And I think that'll get back into your question of the leaky pipeline. How do they consciously develop their personal brand as they're moving through their career? So I do that. Uh, I am also a mentor within the society of women engineers. So they set up different mentoring sessions within that piece. So I also do mentoring with that. Then I'm very involved in the women in manufacturing. So, so I go to quite a bit of their, um, webinars and what have you. I also participate in my current company as part of the local steering committee and hope to eventually get a leadership position within women in manufacturing on their board to continue to drive that further. So I do focus both on engineering as well as manufacturing because both of them have lower um, levels of women. Gotcha. So back to public speaking. Do you have a process for putting your presentations together? And if so, what is it? I, I do have a process. So I, I tend to start with a really basic outline. Um, and when I start, I really think about the first thing that I start with is what do I want my audience to walk away with? So what are my goals and objectives, whether if they're explicitly stated in the PowerPoint or speech, I, I have that really clear when I start. And I think that gets back to why what you teach your audience is about knowing your audience, Right knowing what they want, what they want to get out of it. So I always start with goals and objectives. And then I really think about 
what's my intro to get people's interest? So what is that icebreaker, either that story or that day or that statistic that's going to get people engaged from the outset uh, to really make them listen to what I have to say? And then I usually choose about three to four points in the middle, depending on the length of the presentation that I want folks to walk away with. And that really, obviously, that has to link back to the goals and objectives of what I want folks to accomplish as part of that. And then I always, always have an outro. And one of the cool things I'll share with your audience that I've learned, so I've done a speaking your brand certification. And what I've really learned in that sort of a cool trick is if you start out with a story, leave people with a little bit of a cliffhanger and then come back at the end to round out that cliffhanger. So especially if you're doing a more informal speech, such as a conference speech, I think that can really be effective because people are trained to listen because they want to hear, they want to hear what happens in your story. So if you start with a story, leave a little bit of a cliffhanger, do your meat of the presentation in the middle and then come back to you know, the story. So that's a tip and a trick I've learned in the last few months. Do you ever get nervous before giving a presentation? And if so, how do you deal with your nerves? I get nervous every time. <laughs> I get nervous every time. So I'm, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And, and she even says, I think she gets nervous every time she does a speech. Um, how do I, how do I deal with it? One of the ways, honestly, you'll find out with Neil with me is I'm very authentic. I just own it. Uh, one of the times I got on stage and I cracked a joke about being nervous because all those people out in the audience, they're, they're human and they've all stood in your shoes at one point in time. They've given a presentation. The other thing that I try to keep in mind is my audience is not the enemy. They want me to be successful uh, because they're trying to get content from me or like in the case of an industry conference, they, they want to see other leaders be successful. So they're cheering for you. So I try to keep that mentality and mindset and then I try to have um, a mindful moment before I walk on stage, just close my eyes and think of the, the favorite place I want to be and really concentrate on my breathing um, for about 30 seconds to a minute, depending on the time that I have. So th those things really help me. But the thing that the advice I would give is just own it. If you're nervous, just own it. People get it. Yeah. You've offered some really great tips today, Shannon, about getting better at public speaking. Telling a story, I think, is really important. So thank you for offering that. And I really like your point about having a mindful moment before you get up there and then also owning your nervousness. Can you offer any or do you have any other tips that could help people in getting more effective at public speaking? I think start small. So when I coach team members at work, that's what I tell them. So like I have a team member who struggles um, talking about his story. So he struggles. He feels like it's boasting. So what I, what I coached him to do was start small do it in one of our staff meetings where there's only three or four people in the room. So you don't do it. So I, when I coach people on public speaking, that's what starts small um, and then ratchet it up from there. Because if you start speaking in front of 50 people, well, of course you're going to be terrified. <laughs> um, really think about, you know, start starting small. So that's, that's the other place. And the other piece of advice that I would give, especially if it's a huge presentation for um, you know, an executive leadership audience or at a big conference is practice, practice, practice. Um, there is nothing that substitutes um, getting, as you've probably done many times in your career, just get in there and just starting to talk about it because you think you're gonna know what you're saying, even if you've written it down, you think you know what you're gonna say and then you get up there and you just freeze. But if you've let it come out a couple of times, 
that it, it will come back naturally to you more so than if you've not have practiced. So that would be another piece of advice for me. Wonderful. It's been really interesting talking to you about, about all you've done, Shannon, and, and public speaking. How can people get in touch with you? I'm very active on LinkedIn. So that's the best place to, to find me. Um, I do have um, Femspired accounts on Instagram as well as Twitter, but the best place to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn. And I will tell you really quickly, one of the endeavor that I'm doing, um, I just chose to do it, is I'm doing a, no, a hashtag Know Her Story series on LinkedIn. So I'm doing it every day for a year. Um, I am 206 days in right now. So you can go back and follow hashtag know her story. And I'm, I'm highlighting all different kinds of women in all different kinds of industries and categories. And it's really been an interesting journey for me because there are women out there that I've never heard of um, and what they do and what they bring to the table. And some of them, like the one, I just profiled Madeline Albright, which you would know, um, a former secretary of state, probably get some good speaking tips from them as well. Nice. Well, everybody, that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering is Teach the Geek to Speak. It's a public speaking course. You can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that is teachthegeek.com. And also, I'd like to mention my excuse assessment tool. It'll really help you in prioritizing solutions to those excuses you have in your life. And you can find out about that at download.teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Neil. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms. On all of them. Also, if you prefer to watch the episodes, head on over to the YouTube channel at youtube.teachthegeek.com. Until next time.